Frank Buckley interviews this time on the program. It's a love story, a love story like you've never heard before. It's the story of Peter and Lisa. They fell in love in 2001. They'd been married to other people before. They both had children. In 2009, they married each other. And life was good for eight years. That's when Peter started having difficulty finishing his sentences. He couldn't remember basic words. A neurologist told them why. Peter, at the age of 53, had early onset Alzheimer's disease. Last year, Lisa quit her job and became Peter's full-time caregiver. Peter didn't know that the woman looking after him was his wife. And that's just the beginning of the story. And I'm delighted to welcome Lisa Marshall to Frank Buckley Interviews. Lisa, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. You bet. I'd like to pick up the story there. You were watching TV with Peter. A wedding scene came on TV. What happened next? Well, I was crying like a baby as <laughs> usual, and Peter was making fun of me as usual. And um, he pointed to the TV and he said, let's do it. And I said, do what? And he pointed to the TV again with this silly grin on his face. And and I said, "Are you? do you want to get married? And he said, yes. And he had a bigger grin on his face. And uh, I said, are you asking me to marry you? And he said, yes. And he was laughing and he said, it's going to be a lot of work. And that's when I got my phone out and I started to record it because I knew that it was going to be pretty special. And it was special. And it was a story that uh, folks have heard and seen around the world. We're looking at the video from your wedding. And in that moment, you've talked about the fact that Peter was there with you again. Yes, at this at the Val Renault, it was amazing. He had not been so present for such a long period of time in months, and um, it was just it, it was miraculous. He was with me the entire day cognitively. It was amazing. And um, and talk to us about that because when when you say he was there with me cognitively, for those of us who are not aware of what it's like to live with Alzheimer's. Talk to me about the difference between that day and let's say a different day. So um, that day, he knew who he knew. I don't know that he knew who I was, but he was very aware of what was happening. He was um, happier than I had seen him in in a long, long time, and he stayed very happy. He knew everybody who was at the Val Renew, all the family. Typically, there are days when family members or friends come to visit, and he doesn't really know who they are. You know, he's cordial, he's kind, because that's the kind of person that he is. But um, this day, he seemed to know what was going on, and it seemed that he felt like a king. Ah, <laughs> uh, and, and I bet you felt like a queen that day as well. And and I oh, just. It was yeah, tell me. It was like Cinderella. I felt like Cinderella. It was magical. Oh, um, you, you have said, and I, I feel like many of us believe this. I mean, we're in, in the same age group. We're in, in our 50s. And, and you have said that, that you always thought that Alzheimer's was an old person's disease. And, and obviously, this taught you that it wasn't. So true. We got the diagnosis and I can feel the feeling in that room when the doctor delivered it to us. And 
I literally shrugged my shoulders and said, let's go get some lunch. You know, we'll pick up the prescription on the way home, not understanding at all what it was, had never been touched by it in our lives at all, and didn't really understand until I started to do some research. And how long between that moment of diagnosis until here we are today, did you start to feel Peter slip away, as it were? Ooh, so he was diagnosed uh, April 30th, 2018, and and he retired from his job uh, the following January. So it was it was pretty quick. Mm. Uh, and his decline has been very, very rapid. Um, he was at home, retired for one year when I decided that it was no longer safe. And then I had to retire as well. And at some point, does he not know who you are when you're talking to him? Does it happen suddenly or is it a gradual thing? Are you talking about me specifically or yes, anybody? Yes, you, you specifically. Me specifically, he always knows that I am his safe person, the person that he loves. He will run around the house frantically if he can't find me mm. and feel safe when he does. But he doesn't, I don't think he understands labels like wife or, you know, my name. He doesn't, he certainly doesn't know my name. And sometimes he'll just yell for me, hey, hey, you, hey, help me. Mm. So, and, yeah. and that must be, uh, it, you know, obviously it's, it, it, by definition, it's difficult to, to, to just go through that with the person that you love more than anyone in the world. Um, how have you dealt with it and how, you know, how were you equipped to, to deal with that? Well, I wasn't equipped. I wasn't, I had no idea what I was getting into until I was in it. And so I try to just treat him with the most respect and the most kindness that I can um, and make sure that his dignity is at the forefront. And I think leading with my heart that way provides me with a lot of guidance to um, just do the right thing. And folks who are watching at home who might be in a situation where they have a loved one diagnosed with either early onset or just Alzheimer's, and I say just in quotes, obviously. No, um, I understand. Yeah, they, can you talk to them about the things that have helped you as you've moved forward? Um, talking to people who are further into the disease as a caretaker is very helpful. Trying to find some support of other uh, younger onset or, you know, like you said, any, anyone who is a caretaker of someone with Alzheimer's because there's a lot of things that happen that you're not expecting. And if you're more proactive in the journey, I think it's very helpful because you're expecting it to happen whatever it is. And even if, um, you know, worst case scenario doesn't happen, you're prepared if it does. You know, we, we talk about the, the sort of the Cinderella aspect of the story, but you're in it day in, day out. We were able to look in on it for that one special moment. You're in it every day. And I suspect that it isn't Cinderella every day. And can you tell us what a day is like with, with your husband who has early onset Alzheimer's? Most days are different. It is helpful if I can stick to a schedule for Peter so he can anticipate as much as he can anticipate what's going to happen. 
first we wake up, we have breakfast, then we, you know, we do our shower routine and all the personal care. Uh, we tend to sit on the porch a lot these days and, you know, not do things that I thought were important before uh, because sitting on the porch and holding his hand is important. Mm. But um, yeah, it's not a Cinderella story anymore. And the Peter that I fell in love with is, is no longer with me. I'm taking care of that Peter's body, but his mind is certainly deteriorated very much. And how do you, as a person who is saying goodbye over this period of time to the person who you fell in love with, how do you do that? How do you take care of yourself and get through that? It's hard. It's very hard. And I've, I'm fortunately a very strong and independent person. Um, but to be honest, Peter makes it easy. Hmm. He's very kind. He's very gentle. He's a lovely, lovely person, and I am blessed to have him. Um, you know, one story I like to share is the day that he forgot me, and I knew that he would, and he forgot who I was when I was driving. And as we, as he gave me directions to get to our house, which he kept calling his house, we pulled into the driveway, and he jumped out of the car, and he helped me out of the car as though we were courting. But the point of the story is that once we got into Peter's house, he started bragging about me. And so, you know, he... It's little things like that that make me realize that he's just going to help me all the way through the end of this because he's just so kind and helpful. Mm. Um, you have a, a blog, and I want to talk to people about that because you are uh, really, I think, folks are helping you and you are helping them in the process uh, of having a blog like this. Um, why did you start it? You know, I've been asked that before, and I think the reason that I started it was because I was screaming for help. Mm -hmm. I wanted somebody to just stop this, stop this train, you know, from happening. And it's a nightmare. It's an absolute nightmare to watch the person that you love disappear a little bit more every day. And I think that I was screaming for help for somebody to just stop it. Hmm. Well, Lisa, I I'm going to give you a moment and, and we're going to take a short break right there. When we get back, I'm going to talk to Lisa Marshall about how she's using her story to inspire others and to fight for Alzheimer's research. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And we're back with Lisa Marshall. She's an Alzheimer's advocate and the wife of Peter Marshall, who has early onset Alzheimer's disease. Lisa, we were talking about your blog. Uh, it's called Oh Hello Alzheimer's. Why, why that mm -hmm. title? Uh, because 
there it is. All of a sudden, you have no idea that this uh, uh, this is going to change your entire life. Um, and when we were diagnosed, I had no idea what it was. Oh, is it a cold? Can we just go get a prescription? And, you know, the more you research, the more you realize that this is a death sentence. There is no cure. And um, your life is changed forever. And I appreciate the way you put it that you said when we were diagnosed. Because folks <laughs> may say uh, when my husband was diagnosed or that person was diagnosed, we're talking about an entire family or a couple in your case uh, being diagnosed, aren't we? Yes, absolutely, because it takes down a family. It takes down friends. It takes down relationships. It just takes down anybody in its way like a tornado. Yeah, and I, and I so appreciate the fact that you have started this blog because it gives folks information and and not a roadmap necessarily but at least it tells them that they're not alone and here are some resources for you but let me ask you if i have a loved one who is diagnosed today with early onset alzheimer's what do i do what's the first thing i should be doing well follow my blog <laughs> yeah of course and secondly secondly get an elder attorney, somebody um, very reputable and get your affairs in order. It's extremely important that you get power of attorney and uh, and go that route first. And that means for the, the loved one to be able to make decisions for the other person. Yes, absolutely. You know, and end of, end of life decisions too um, are, are extremely important. Can I ask, uh, and I want to do this in a delicate manner, but, you, you know, as you've said, the, the man who you fell in love with is not there. You're looking after his body, in a sense. How do you continue yeah. to have a positive, fulfilled life while you're looking after someone, and this was not the life you bought into? It's not the life I bought into, but it is the man that I bought into. Mm. And, you know, I promised for better or worse, and I don't regret that at all. And my mantra has been to have no regrets. And I love him more today than ever because he continues every day to show me how much he loves me, whether mm. it be with a touch or a kiss or saying that he loves me. And, you know, I continue to find joy every day by purposely and um, you know, intently finding the joy um, in each day. Do you ever get to take a break? You know, it's we've had our struggles with caregivers where we had some caregivers coming into the home that didn't work out. We uh, tried a daycare situation that didn't work out. And uh, I did just recently take a two-week respite where I placed Peter in memory care for two weeks and was able to visit my family that I hadn't seen in a year and a half since COVID and, you know, get some time to myself. But um, I, I do really like being nestled under Peter's arm, most of all. Mm. And, and you talk about these, these moments of, of, of truly of grace and love uh, that you're having with Peter uh, despite this diagnosis. And is your situation unique? Because I, I, I want to know for myself or for others who may someday find ourselves in that position 
can we expect moments of joy, the ones that we did buy into when we married someone? If you look for them, I think, you know, if you wake up and you have a positive attitude, I think that you can find moments of joy. And if that means that, you know, he doesn't fight you when you're shaving his head, that's a moment of joy, mm -hmm. you know. You've, you've done so much to, to raise awareness of Alzheimer's. I want to ask you about that. What are some of the things that, that need to happen that are not happening? Are we taking Alzheimer's seriously as a country? Are we putting enough money into research? What else needs to be done? I think more research, number one. Uh, number two, I think there's a lot of uh, caregiver uh, support that could happen. For instance, it didn't dawn on me until I learned or until I was told that um, because I had to retire to take care of Peter, I no longer could. For number one, I'm no longer getting my salary. We're not getting Peter's salary. Peter and I are neither um, enjoying the benefits of, of employer paid medical coverage. And then this was the surprise to me was oh, right, I'm not paying into Social Security anymore. Mm. So, you know, these are things that are starting, you know, to bubble up, um, you know, politically, and people are starting to advocate for these these um, these issues. And also not having medical coverage. You know, medical coverage is very, very expensive. So if your husband or your spouse, you know, is on disability, Social Security disability, I believe the caregiver should get some sort of benefit as well, you know, even if it's just a reduced coverage, a reduced plan, reduced coverage plan, cost I, plan. I know there's a, an Alzheimer's hotline, and and I'd like to put that up on the screen and, and then ask you to tell us what do people find if they call that phone number? So the Alzheimer's Association is an incredible resource and you can call that hotline anytime for any reason. Um, I know that in the middle of the night, if you've got questions and you can't sleep and something is keeping you up, you can call that number and they will be able to help you or guide you or direct you where to call and what to do. The Alzheimer's Association has been uh, a huge resource for me and I continue to raise money uh, to find a cure. Peter and I have a walk uh, to end Alzheimer's this year and um, you know we're in the I don't know top 15 or so nationally and our friends have been very very gracious in donating. How is Peter doing today? Hmm, he's having a really good day actually. Mm. Um, yeah he woke up very very happy and very content and he his he needs a purpose every day that's that's peter's thing he needs to be helpful and feel as though he has a purpose and so that's my mission every day to make him feel as though he does that is awesome um lisa we're going to take one more break uh when we get back more with alzheimer's advocate lisa marshall VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
We're back with Alzheimer's advocate Lisa Marshall. Lisa, you're as, as close to this disease as anyone could be. What percentage of people who get Alzheimer's are in the early onset uh, area? And, and at what age is something considered early onset Alzheimer's? I'm not sure of the percentage. I've heard different things from, you know, three to five percent, but I, I'm, I don't know. And 65 years old is, is uh, considered younger mm. or early. And once it is diagnosed, is, is there anything one can do to delay the onset of symptoms, to, to stop the train, as it were? There are medications, you know, I'm no doctor, um, but there are medications that we have tried and certainly homeopathic um, avenues that you could explore. Uh, we have found that uh, nothing has really slowed our train down, but um, there, there are medications that slow it. There's absolutely no cure as of now. And is there anything in the way of prevention or something that could have said to Peter and to you years ago, a genetic marker or something that would have said, hey, by the way, this is coming? In our situation, no, there's no uh, hereditary. Um, there's no, no one in our family, in his family has had Alzheimer's. His mother recently passed away in her 80s and um, his father is 80 now, so nothing. And there's no way to know was, why Peter and why not John down the road. Boy, wouldn't that be great? Yeah. <laughs> Peter was healthy. You know, we ate, we have always eaten a very clean diet. He was a marathon runner. Uh, we exercised all the time. We took very good care of ourselves. So it's difficult to know. It sounds like he had all the hallmarks and you, you did together of a very healthy life. And and I've talked to doctors at Loma Linda University who, who study Alzheimer's, who've talked about the importance of diet that you mentioned. They say plant-based diets help especially, um, but, the, but also having a social circle and all of these things that, that one associates with a healthy, uh, wonderful life you had. We did, yes, and we continue to have, although now I let him eat whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> what message do you have to people who have a loved one suffering from Alzheimer's, and especially those with early onset Alzheimer's, like your husband, Peter? Um, I think there's two things. One is please take care of yourself because it's very easy to get wrapped up in what you're doing. So please take care of yourself. Find somebody who will who will stay with your loved one, whether that be a friend, a family member, or a professional caregiver. And and secondly, um, as an independent woman, it's very hard for me to ask for help. Mm -hmm. So ask for help, but not only ask for help, but ask for exactly what you need. I need you to take Peter on a walk so I can mow the lawn. I need you to take Peter on a walk so I can get some laundry done or take a bath. Um, could you make me a few meals for our freezer? I'm exhausted by dinner time. Mm -hmm. So be brave and ask for that. And you said there were two things. So that was take care of yourself. What's the other thing? Well, that was both of them. Okay. <laughs> be able to ask for help and ask specifically what you, what you need. 
And I would imagine part of this is also about giving yourself a break too, right? Because you're not perfect and you, you were not trained as a caregiver. And so you're probably going to make some mistakes and maybe even not be the, the, the coolest person in the world at times. That's exactly right. And I find that when I feel that anxiety or that stress of I'm being impatient, it's primarily because I'm either rushing around too much, I'm expecting too much, I'm in a hurry, I'm trying to get something done that doesn't really matter. And so I just try to put that aside and say, okay, what really matters? And that is taking care of Peter. So, you know, take a deep breath and regroup and figure out why it is that you're feeling, you know, that impatience. And, and just in the, in the few seconds we have left, I just wonder when you share something so intimate as you have in such a public way, do you have any regrets about that or has it helped in some way? I have no regrets at all. And yes, it helps me tremendously because every day I get tons of messages from people who are who are in the same situation as Peter and I and they've finally found you know an outlet that they can come to and they can speak and they can hear and they can feel a sense of community which is really what the platform is about well Lisa thank you so much for sharing your story with us and for sharing Peter's story Uh, I want to tell people once again the blog is oh hello Alzheimer's And you can also find it there on Facebook. Uh, Lisa, thank you. Thank you so much for helping me raise awareness. Of course. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you're not a subscriber, I hope you'll do it today. It's free, of course. And it'll ensure that you won't miss a single episode of our podcast, which drops every week on Wednesday. We have some 240 episodes in our archives that you can listen to at any time on demand. You can also see our interviews on KTLA on the weekends and on YouTube. As always, thanks for sharing us on social media with your friends. Tag me when you do. I'm Frank Buckley TV on Twitter and on Instagram. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'll see you on TV.